Well, good morning. I hope you're doing well. It's Alid here, as Paul and Ros said, and it's a real privilege for me to be preaching uh, this morning. Uh, if you've joined us for the first time today, maybe you haven't been with us over the last several weeks, we've actually uh, been on a new series looking at the gospel. And the gospel means good news. That's what we're looking at. And it's not the good news that we might find in the world. It's actually the good news you would find in your Bible, which is all about Jesus, all about him. And uh, it says in the Bible that actually the good news about Jesus is that it's actually available for anyone, for everyone is able to access the good news of Jesus. So I don't know what your history is, your background, I don't know why you're watching today, but if you're new looking in, please just listen as I share with you some more things about this good news, this gospel, this good news of Jesus, because it could greatly affect your life. Maybe um, you're listening today and you don't really know much about the Bible at all. Well, I just want to share with you just briefly a few of the things that we've heard over these last few weeks about the gospel, about what it means for you and me if we accept Jesus, what that looks like. Because you may have heard about Jesus, you may have heard about him dying on the cross. And the reality is, is what looked like Satan's greatest victory over God at the cross of Calvary when Jesus was crucified actually became Jesus's victory over Satan, death, and the grip of sin over our very own lives. Uh, we all now have, actually, the Bible says, the ability with the Spirit, it says in Galatians, to repent and believe and find new life in him. And God's desire, actually, is that everyone will come to the knowledge of this truth, that everyone would receive him and find new life. And if you do receive Jesus, what we've heard over these previous few weeks is, and what the Bible says actually, is that we are completely and utterly forgiven of all our sins. Uh, in fact, in the Bible, Psalm 103 says, it's like as far as the East is from the West, so far as our sins been taken from us. And, and the, the debt and the penalty of separation and death has been paid for in full on the cross. And not just for my mistakes of yesterday either, but also my regrets of today and even my failures of tomorrow. All of it, it says in Romans 5, that where, where my sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. That's what's so good about the good news of Jesus. There is no one that is too far gone for him to come and rescue and save and redeem. It's wonderful. So when God looks at me, he doesn't actually see me in my sin uh, anymore, uh, nor does he, as some people say, when he sees me, he sees Jesus. No, he sees Alid, but he sees me with all of the purity, the holiness, the righteousness, the acceptance that was Christ's when he exchanged it for what was mine on the cross. It's totally and utterly outrageous. But it doesn't even end there. It doesn't end there. He not only removed and forgave my sin and my junk, but he promised to actually make his home with me. Jesus, Jesus says this to us if we follow him. If anyone loves me and he will keep my word, my father will love him. And we, I love that word, we, me and the father, we will come to him and make our home with him. It's incredible. And in doing so, he promises to empower me to live the life that I was made to live and you to live the life that you were made to live. We heard that from Andrew last week. But more than that, the Spirit is not only my power and authority for today, but it's also, the Ephesians 1 says, it's also my guarantee of an inheritance which will come in the future. These are the truths we've heard about these past few weeks and they are all absolutely wonderful. Not earned, I don't deserve it, you don't just because of his grace and his goodness towards us. It's wonderful. 
But the full gospel is not just about the lengths to which God went through to remove the junk from our lives, nor the way in which he's broken down the barriers through justice and forgiveness, because he's completely just. All of this, the Bible says, is just a means to an end. And that end is relationship, personal gospel relationship. And we heard that actually from Sam a few weeks ago, that it was our sin, it was our wrongdoing to God that actually broke that relationship and created these barriers between us and God in the first place. And so what we see through the Bible is God's work of salvation is in order to restore that relationship. Even Jesus coming and dying on the cross, all of the Bible, it's just one story of him trying to restore the relationship that we broke off in our sin. And Jesus, not only in his death, made adoption possible, this relationship, but he also, in his life, modelled for us what a relationship with the Father was to look like, what it could look like. And Jesus, his teaching in his life, it's completely reliant and centred around this relationship with the Father. As you read through the Gospels, the story of Jesus' life, you'd see it. Even from a really young age, from as young as 12, you know, um, him and his family, they went to Jerusalem for the Passover and the parents lost him. And they searched for three days to try and find uh, Jesus. You know, when they realised that he was missing, that he wasn't with them, they searched the city for three days and they finally found him in the temple. And what does Jesus say? He says these words, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? He had to be in my father's house, 12 years old. And over 20 years later then in the gospels, we see Jesus, even before he starts his ministry, he spends 40 days in the desert, not alone, but with the father, not alone, but with the father. Jesus says in John 12 that he only does what the Father does. In fact, he goes so far to say in John 5 that he can do nothing by himself. He can't do anything by himself, but only what he sees the Father doing. Such was the importance and the centrality of this relationship with the Father to Jesus. In Matthew 6 alone, which is just part of a longer teaching, Um, of Jesus, known as the Sermon on the Mount. Um, When Jesus talks about prayer, he says to do it in the quiet where the Father is, where he sees you. When he talks about fasting, he says, don't do it on the street corners, bashfully close the door and do it in private. Why? Because that's where the Father sees. When he talks about what we need, he says, ask the Father. When he talks to us about being anxious and worried about our needs, he says, bring it to the Father. And then when the disciples say, teach us how to pray, he starts by saying, we pray like this, our Father. And this is the focus, actually, of relationship. It's it's all, actually, throughout the New Testament, even in the epistles, the other kind of books and letters. So let me just read a few up. I think they'll come up on the screen for you to read as well. Uh, Ephesians 1, uh, verse 5, it says this, He predestined us, God chose you, by the way, for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. It says in 1 John uh, 1 uh, verse 12, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of 
God. Just a couple more. Galatians 3, 26. Love that book. He says this, um, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. And lastly, Romans, uh, Romans 8. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Yes, listen, to be made right and forgiven by God is amazing. And to be empowered to, by God to live lives free from the hold of sin is, is incredible. But if we end there, we are to miss the whole purpose for which God went through such extraordinary lengths to deal with those things in our lives. You see, to, to repent, be baptised, and, and just attend church, you know, is to miss the point of the gospel. God has adopted us for everyday life, for every moment, in every season. He's calling us to this relationship. And I just find for so many of us, we can make Jesus fit into our lives instead of fitting our lives into Jesus. But this is exactly what he modelled and then asked us to do as followers of Jesus. Actually, when he says, come follow me, he says, look at my life and model your life on mine. And Joyce is completely countercultural. Um, David Platt says it like this, the words will come up. He says, in a world where everything revolves around yourself, protect yourself, promote yourself, comfort yourself and take care of yourself. Jesus says, crucify yourself and in the in the same way that I cannot live the same way now to before I was married we cannot accept the full gospel of Jesus Christ without a relationship which shall massively impact every area of your lives and and this is where actually we need to be really careful that we don't fall for a false gospel the apostle Paul talks about this because any gospel which adds Jesus to your old life but doesn't necessitate a, a full dependence on the Father in new life is not the gospel at all. And the greatest, actually, the greatest travesty within the church would be a false gospel that says you can receive all the blessings of Christ without needing to be in an active, submissive, dependent relationship with Christ in your daily life. It, it's, it's as ridiculous as flying to a tropical holiday location and refusing to get off the plane. Oh, you've got to understand the, the cross, as hideous yet glorious as it was, was a means to an end. And the end is not just forgiveness or empowerment. Those things were to enable us. The, the joy set before Jesus as he endured the cross was a people who would get off the plane and enjoy the blessings of relationship on the other side. And yet for so many people, I talk to so many people, see so many people... Even many good, faithful churchgoers, maybe even some of you watching and listening now, have somehow, I feel, got in, caught in a lie that forgiveness, loving God, living a holy life and going to church each week, each week while waiting for eternity is somehow the sum total of what Jesus died for. And I believe today Jesus is wanting to remind his church again to not fall for a pattern of religion and legalism, but to delight in the richness of relationship and his love. Because we've been saved, we've been redeemed, we've been forgiven because of relationship. 
uh, A.W. Tozer, in uh, an amazing book, uh, The Pursuit of God, um, says this. I'll read it out. It's, it won't come up on the screen. He says this. The man who has God for his treasure has all things in one. Many ordinary treasures may be denied him, or if he is allowed to have them, the enjoyment of them will be so tempered that they will never be necessary to his happiness. Or if he must see them go one after one, he will scarcely feel a sense of loss for having the source of all things he has in one, all satisfaction, all pleasure, all delight. Whatever he may lose, he has actually lost nothing, for he now has it all in one. And he has it purely, legitimately, and forever. Or well, just a wonderful quote of someone who actually, if they found their treasure in Jesus in this relationship, whatever else is lost is not loss. You see, the gospel is not actually about loss at all, it's about gain. One of, the, actually, I think the positives of this whole um, pandemic, um, and I'm not in any way downplaying the tragedies that have happened and are happening every day, it's truly awful. But where we've been forced to stop much of what we do within the church, it raises a very important question for us. When church and Christian friends are taken away from your daily life, what's left? Because it's only when it's all removed that we truly see the depth or shallowness of our relationship with the Father and we truly find our delight in. The, the outworking of our love for someone is that we want to spend time with them. I think maybe back to a person you fell in love with. It wasn't hard for you to make allowances, even give up things because you found enjoyment and delight in being with them. And it's the same with our relationship with him. As we grow to know him and love him more, we desire to spend time with him and we get to enjoy the delight and centre of all eternity in the present and today. It's expressed in the words of the psalmist who says... Um, Better is just one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I wonder if that reflects how you feel about your time. I wonder if that's how it reflects the way that I feel about my time with him. Again, Tozer says this, he says, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God, that any man or woman on this earth who is bored or turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. <laughs> if we're not careful, our lives and daily choices can better reflect that of actually hell, which is an absence of God, than heaven, which is an eternity with him and full dependence on him. And one of the appeals and actually the, the problems of a false gospel, a half gospel, is that it says you can get the blessings of the new life without handing the keys over to your old life. You can get married, but still live like you're single. And Jesus warns us about this. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Even those who cast out demons and prophesy and do miracles in his name, you think, wow, why? And Jesus' response is really telling. He says, away from me, I never knew you. I never knew you. And we know that Jesus doesn't mean he doesn't actually know the details of our life because we know from Psalm 139 that God knows everything about us. Um, in Matthew 10, I think it is, he says he, God even knows the amount of hairs in your head. So no, here Jesus is talking about relationship. That kind of the opening up of our lives and intimacy with him, a full dependency on him in everything we do. We're not... 
when I got married to Lou, um, I thought I knew her. <laughs> I need to realise over the past 13 years that I'm still getting to know her. And it's the same with God, that actually it takes time. It takes commitment, love and submission, and it's no different with him. Let me just say, if, if the sum of your Christianity is still based on what you do, you've not discovered the richness of this gospel. If the sum of your Christianity is based actually just on the forgiveness of your sin and a free ticket to heaven when you die, can I just admit, I don't think you've discovered the richness of the gospel. So let's not be robbed of the fullness of this wonderful gospel. Yes, to be made right and forgiven by God is amazing. And yes, to be empowered by God to live lives free from the sin is incredible. But the pinnacle of the gospel, of this good news for everyday life, is that we've been adopted by a God who loves us and wants to spend eternity with us, in relationship with us. You know, if, if you were to force me to describe the Bible and the gospel and all of God's endeavours of the cross in one single word, it would have to be love. And it's God's love for us and his desire to be with us in relationship that has driven him to such extraordinary lengths to restore it. So let me just encourage you. You, you might be listening and think, man, I just, I don't have a relationship with God. I've never really been interested. I just want to let you know today you can have a personal relationship with the living God who made you, designed you, and can fully satisfy the needs and desires of your hearts in the way that the world could never, ever satisfy. But can I also talk to you, friend, who is maybe even part of our church? And actually, if you're honest, since lockdown, since actually all the church activity has slowed down and stopped, if you were to look up on the last day, the last week, the last month, the last six months and say, actually, where is the content of my relationship with God? If you were to say, actually, I don't think that there's really any content there. Can I just graciously ask you to repent and invite Jesus into your life and say, Jesus, I want you to be part of my day-to-day -day life. I don't want to hold things back. Actually, I don't want to be married, as it were, to you, but still live as though I'm single. Actually, I want to commit myself to you. And do you know what? It's not about loss. As I said earlier, it's about gain. Actually, the enemy's lie is actually God is the one who would restrict and deny you pleasure. Actually, that's the lie of the world, because whatever you do in the world, you'll always find yourself lacking. Whereas with God... He is the only one that can truly satisfy the desires of your heart. And that's whether you've been part of church for 20 years or whether you've never walked into a church building before, that invitation is for you today. I'm just going to pray for us and uh, then I'll hand back over to Paul and Roz. God, I just want to thank you that uh, this gospel, this glorious good news, means that we don't only just have our sin and our mess taken away. We don't, you don't just deal with the issues that prevented us from having a relationship with you. But when those things were removed, you have still welcomed us with open arms into relationship with you. You've adopted us. If we're saved, we, you've adopted us into your family and you've given us an inheritance. 
And we say, God, we just love you and we thank you for everything you've done for us. Would you forgive us of walking uh, kind of two-faced in a sense of where we do the church thing, but actually in our own independent lives, we just live it for ourselves. We say, Lord God, would you forgive us? We repent and we say, Lord, from today, we just choose to put you in the centre of everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.